what else have you watched lately? Just anything. It doesn't have to be like a recent movie. I just watched Assassination of Gianni Versace. You mean at what other movies? Yeah. So much TV shows as our other podcast. <laughs> I wish you did make that podcast. You were. Um, you got to be the host of that. Last movie I watched was Hairspray. Oh. I haven't Netflix. seen that movie in a while. It's real good. It is good. IMO. The new one or the old one? The there's new an old, one. The, there's, have you seen the old one? Uh, actually, no. John was, Waters, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's you all, don't I, like Literally, it? all I know about it is that he made it. Okay. You're and just shaking your head. No. It's making me confused. <laughs> I remember the, just that he's a famous weirdo. I remember oh, seeing yeah. the new one in the theater mm-hmm. and enjoying it. I don't remember a lot about it. That Zac Efron was in it. Yeah. John Travolta's. The divine role, yes. if you're talking... You know, to real hairspray heads. Yeah, yeah, of course, which, which I am not. <laughs> oh, yeah, you I'll are. I'll admit I'm not. No, but the new hairspray, in my opinion, is good. I think yeah, sometimes it gets fine. shade from people who are like really, really into hairspray, but I love it. There's a whole sect of people who are into musical movies, mm-hmm. and they have unbelievably strong opinions about them. But True. it's also that's also people who are just into theater. Mm-hmm. And theater heads is a whole another thing that I wouldn't want to touch. Yeah. People really have strong opinions about it. And it's all about like people who can actually sing well, which I yeah. don't notice. <laughs> I remember like doing theater as a kid and I had just saw the Phantom of Phantom of the Opera movie version and yeah. like I was like, oh I loved it so much. And some kid at my theater was like um okay (laughs) they were like about phantom of the opera they were throwing shade at you because it just wasn't they didn't like the 1971 adaptation with some other singer or some garbage yeah i guess they didn't like emmy rossum in it from what i can remember of this traumatic childhood experience talking talking phantom of the opera at a theater yeah Yeah, they don't they didn't think emmy rossum was good enough boo boo them (laughs) boo that guy isn't isn't gerard butler in that one too yeah, uh-huh. I've I uh, I can say I've seen that movie about fifteen times. What really, Tyler? Uh, this might get cut out. We'll see. <laughs> I dated a girl for a year, and it was her favorite movie, and she watched it like twice a week. Wait, did I know her? Maybe. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it after. <laughs> <laughs> <on the podcast. laughs> That's a lot to watch twice a week. Secrets revealed <laughs> on so much movies. <laughs> So much, so much, so much, so much, so much. When was the first time you saw Silence of the Lambs? Hmm, like fifth, sixth grade. Wow, that's early. It was early, but my dad used to do this thing where we would watch movies like this. Dark, violent, bad, like heavy content movies. Yeah. And he would just mute it. Like very vigilantly, which turns out it's not helpful. Like <laughs> that's scarier. <laughs> the maybe the words are not the bad part. Yeah, we watched like Titanic when I was really young. The Patriot. I oh, remember yeah. watching when I was really yeah. young. Like that's R-rated. Do you know the movie Taps? I watched that when oh, sure. I was really young. Okay, God, that's a lot of. Yeah, that's pretty. A lot of bad intense. history in my life. That's just a lot of very intense visuals. Yeah, or like make like sex scenes. He would like mute, and it almost like <laughs> amplifies. Wow, them. <laughs> that's yeah. then you have to like hear your loved ones shift nervously <laughs> next to you while yeah. the sex scene is happening. Seriously. Not good. That is oh definitely God. the most universal movie watching experience. Is yeah, true. watching a movie with your parents mm-hmm. and having one of those scenes come up and being like, "Oh, mm-hmm. this is happening now." I feel bad. Now. Yeah, yeah. 
No, none of us want to be here for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but luckily with this movie, yeah, I definitely watched this with my dad when I was a kid for sure. And I mean, there's no sex scenes in it, so. And as soon as as soon as Buffalo Bill tucks it in, <laughs> mute button. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> That's probably real realistic. So, do you think watching Silence of the Lambs at that age? has compelled you to be as interested in murder as you are. What are you saying, Tyler? <laughs> are you saying I wasn't born this way? I was conditioned this way? Look, all I'm saying is... It's a mix of both. <laughs> yeah. I'm, all I'm saying is, if I have a question about a serial killer, mm-hmm. I'm going to come to you. Yeah. And uh, I think that's great. Everyone needs someone in their life who mm-hmm. knows things about things like that. These days, serial killer girls are getting a real bad rap because of the Ted Bundy stuff that's coming out. Oh, yeah. And totally. everybody's sending me memes like, oh, white girls that love Ted Bundy, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever. Just fine. Whatever. I liked him well before all of you. I, I appreciate I, his work. Not, <laughs> not his appearance. Bleep that out. Take that out. It's not going to go down well. No, but... I actually think it really is. I like this kind of stuff because I'm like scared to die and I'm scared of people I love dying. Yeah. And like, I think that is what liking crime is about. Oh, but yeah. That's my oh, that's, like. I do want to get into that. Yes. So is this movie the proto version of that? Yeah. Is this like the first one that really got into like, here's the psychology of a killer? It's based. I knew this. I did not look this up for this. Do yeah. you? You said you'd seen Mind Hunters. The guys behind Mind Hunters are Mark Douglas and Robert Ressler. They each wrote books, and one of them is called Whoever Fights Monsters, which is okay. like really big in the crime people mm-hmm, groups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do we have On a forum? Do we have a name for that? <laughs> well, there's the, the murderinos. Honestly, don't say that say because it. then the boys that like it are gonna get mad. Boys can be murderinos, can't they? Yeah, they can, but they like last podcast on the left. Oh, okay, that's good to know. We're really like getting into the. We're, I like this. This is good. Yeah, um, we're not going to talk about the movie at all. <laughs> we'll come back yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I think it is like to me the boiled down. They consulted John Douglas and Robert Ressler to make this movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. So and those guys were like some of some of the first people that ever did like psychological profiling to catch killers. Yeah. And they did it to catch the Unabomber. Oh, they cool. like read the manifesto and like analyzed him and then made a psychological profile and tried to track him down that way. Mm-hmm. Just like the first time that had ever really been done. So then Silence of the Lambs people read the book and then, yeah. and there's a lot of stuff that's, I mean, I was thinking about that the whole time when they're asking Hannibal Lecter how to solve the crime. And he's like offering the term psychological profile. Like yeah. he just invented it in a yeah. cell alone. <laughs> But, I mean, that's the concept, I think. And especially in, you know, 1990 when they were filming this, that Mm -hmm. was super new. It was, for sure. I feel like I uh, read a lot of that stuff differently just after having seen Mindhunter Mm -hmm. since the last time that I'd seen this movie. For sure, yeah. That's like the whole Mindhunter thing is like they're going to get these serial killers to like offer information about themselves so that the FBI guys can catch other serial killers and understand serial killers gotcha. better cool so yeah and hannibal lecter in the movie is i mean he is like he's a psychologist before yeah mm-hmm. and like clarice does some of it they show her like figuring some stuff out but then mm-hmm. yeah he's kind of the source of knowledge 
He's like her teacher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because actually, oh, man. The, when she's doing all the training stuff, like, they, she talks about stuff that she's learned, but it's mostly, like, jogging and shooting. And, <laughs> and she really learns more from... We do... At least in the movie, she learns more from... Yeah, well, we see her doing a couple things. We see her doing research on, like, looking up old newspaper articles. And with the You're doing that dial thing, I'm, I'm yeah. Literally turning the dial. <laughs> right. The listeners can all see you do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and also when her and her friend are running, they mm-hmm. uh, are going over the codes and what they all mean. True. So clearly, they... And that's one thing I wrote down right off the bat is that they show her all the time. She's a student. That's all she does is just study, study, study. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she's good at it. And yeah. it clearly helps her. Mm-hmm. And they show her when she like messes up and yeah. how she fixes it. That makes me think like we were talking about whether we're supposed to like the FBI boss or yes. not, the oh, teacher. Yeah, totally. And I don't. I think he... Sure. Because he has these little sexism moments. Yes. He's not a bad guy, but... He's also dressed very, like, boringly. He's, like, the yeah. most, like, boring-looking person of all time. And, I mean, he doesn't really say anything very interesting. He's always kind of, like, passing judgment, but doesn't really give her any uh-huh, real insight. Uh-huh. And then they have him getting the whole thing wrong and not really including her in the yeah. very end. And as opposed to Hannibal Lecter, you know, who uh, I will acknowledge is a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, that's good of you. We yeah, can get, uh, get ahead of this and say at the beginning of the podcast... <laughs> Ken Blechter, not we a good guy. We're all like against him. murder. <laughs> yeah, that's important. <laughs> and and cannibalism. Uh-huh. Want to add good that in? Good to add that, yeah. Thank you. But, like, he is actually, like, an engaging teacher. And, sure. like, values yeah. her in, uh, like, as a student. Yeah, totally. In a that very makes sense. clear way. Okay, so, so, actually, I do want to talk about that. Because I do think he is relatively good. Mm-hmm. But... He gives a different thing than Elector does. So I think that... what What is his name? Don't know. Don't care. Okay. Boss. Never want to know. The boss. I hope I never find out. <laughs> <laughs> so her boss, I think... Obviously, he uses her to some degree. Yeah. But he also does acknowledge her work. Yeah. To at least some degree. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of it is she's still a student. She hasn't even graduated yet. Yeah. So I think there's some of that there, but you're right. He does it. I think he does at least listen to her and like notice that she is smart. Mm-hmm. There's the one part, little part where she kind of like points out to him that yes, like that's the, not that wasn't cool. I was gonna to, like, that, yeah. yeah, where he's like, she makes the point that the other cops kind of copy him, and he's like, good point. Yeah. Uh, they don't really show him not doing that later. I guess. Yeah. So. Like I guess he at least acknowledges what she is saying. So yeah. and and I'm only saying that he's like a relatively good guy because literally the rest of the movie, every single guy we see is just leering at her <laughs> yeah. constantly. That's and so funny. That's such a and it's such a cool effect too because we see the whole movie through her eyes yeah. all the time. You mm-hmm. you have to feel sympathy for her because one Jodie Foster is just like a tiny person. She's very small and she's very delicate mm-hmm. featured. Yeah, she's like a and, porcelain doll. Yeah, and all of these guys, they're like a bunch of cops, mm-hmm. other people that are training with her in the FBI, just random people on the street. Uh, all of those uh, other people that are in with Hannibal Lecter. The biologists. With yes, the totally. That one guy hits, like openly hits on her. Yeah. Um, but she actually like gives it back to him because he's like mm-hmm. not threatening in the same way that the other people are threatening. It's just like annoying all the time. Constant, yeah, yeah. Constant. It's just like this low level. This is what she's dealing with constantly, mm-hmm. and it's always framed that way. And we always see everybody, no matter where the camera is panning, 
it's people looking right at the camera and we're assuming you know rightly so that that mm-hmm. is her view and yeah. we're seeing it from her point of view there's even that moment where she's running with her friend in the woods and the other fbi guys <laughs> look over their shoulder around. to yes. check them out totally i thought i thought it was interesting about how a lot of times i think when you watch a movie where somebody's going to, for example, walk into the killer's home, mm-hmm. you might be thinking to yourself, why aren't you noticing how creepy this guy is? Yeah. But yeah. the movie almost set up the idea that literally everyone she interacts with is a creep to her. Huh. And it's like pretty, like... Crap. I didn't like, by the that. time it gets to Buffalo Bill, like, yeah, he's staring at her. Yeah. But, like, everybody stares at her all the time. Yeah, That's and he... Is at least having a conversation with her in a weird way, like yeah. He's... His voice is the worst of all. <laughs> oh, it's so it. creepy. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> should we actually talk about this, like the plot, a little bit? Yeah, let's or at do least that. set it up. Mm-hmm. So, you want to? You've seen this a lot of times. Give us like the brief summary. All right. There's a serial killer on the loose. What's his name? Buffalo Bill. Good name for a serial killer. <laughs> That's his nickname. I I couldn't really quite understand why they call him that. Did you, well, uh, something to do with oh, because in Kansas City, they said that because uh, something about uh, he skins his humps. Yeah, like something about that, like buff, skinning a buffalo in the same way. Oh, I also need to. This is I'm obligated to mention that he is based off of Ed Gein. That's good. Who's a serial killer from Wisconsin? Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Boo, okay. weird state. <laughs> weird state. <laughs> So many, like half our listeners are probably <laughs> so many there. killers from there. There are. It's actually it's they, not the most killers, but it's the weirdest. They because they based other people off of him too, right? Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, yeah. was based on Ed Gein and For Psycho. Sure. Psycho yeah. was Ed Gein, yeah, which yeah. is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like three of the biggest right horror movies there are. <laughs> He's like one of the all-time weirdest, yeah, like, people in recorded He's history. He's one of those people that it's really easy to pathologize yeah in a sense yeah um, so so buffalo bill's on the loose okay so he's on the loose fbi's trying to figure out who is buffalo bill and basically they decide that they're gonna send clarice starling who's a student in the fbi quantico school mm-hmm. of behavioral science to go like interview this renowned psychologist who's also a serial killer and see if he can you know give any insight as to why this serial killer would do the things he's doing, how they should go about looking for him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, so, and that's that's a good setup. I mean, like, I and then it's, it's, it's a lot, the whole movie is essentially just a back and forth between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just great that it's basically like there's kind of two villains. I even liked how Hannibal Lecter is the first kind of person that she deals with. And then, boy, Buffalo Bill just has a totally different energy despite yeah. them both being serial killers. Sophisticated and unsophisticated, which makes me think of how they like they categorize serial killers and they're like redoing this all the time the way they do this, but yeah. like organized and disorganized and, you know, lust killers and all these different motivations. People that go on like mass murder streaks, like they're totally different in psychology from the people who like plan Cereal. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do your like uh, nieces and nephews listen to this podcast? Right? <laughs> no. Okay. Cool. No. This. I'm gonna say this episode is. Don't listen to this if you're a child. <laughs> don't watch the movie if you're a child. Yeah. Actually, I'd Only say I'd say it's appropriate to <laughs> if you're dead and you mute things. <laughs> if you, I mean, like honestly, me. like 
why would you listen to this if you haven't watched Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. That's where we should maybe go with Shaming that. Shaming the listeners. If you're already a kid who has watched this, all right, you'll get the same out of it. We're not going to tell you anything new. Yeah. You just watch Silence of the Lambs, kid. All right, welcome. Welcome to the world of true crime. We could get into more plot, but it's this back and forth between Clarice and Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. and he's slowly doling out clues to her in exchange for personal information from her because Why everything is, he is doing that? I think it's a power move. I think mm-hmm. the whole thing is that he's a psychologist. The mm-hmm. only power he can really have over her is to actually understand her psychology. Yeah. Her boss says at the beginning of the movie don't tell him anything because you don't want him in your head. Oh. Yeah. I like how he guesses wrong at the beginning. Yes, that like, is that he, is good. He guessed that her dad was a coal miner or something. Oh yeah. And then later he kind of finds out that her dad was a cop and I feel like I don't know if the things that he asks her or the things that he finds out about her really help him in any way mm-hmm. he escapes just through luck not really luck but he comes yeah. with a plan it has nothing to do with her yeah but I think he just enjoys it I guess he must. and it drags the I whole think, thing out I think he does I mean I think that's what he wants why does he he does the same thing to the mother of the kidnapped woman yes that's right he like I can't remember what exactly he says, but he says the thing about breastfeeding. Oh yeah, and it's super creepy. But but also, I noticed it this time too because I was really trying to pay attention to why he would bring up those things when he did, Mm -hmm. and he would always bring it up when they wanted more information, Mm -hmm. and he'd always change the subject in a way that was so shocking they'd forget that they wanted more information, Mm -hmm. and then after they were shocked and disgusted, and he got what he wanted, that you know the thing that he messed with them. Then he'd yell out, okay, this is the information that you yeah. want. <laughs> Dramatically and, as they're being pulled out of oh, the Oh, it's always dramatic and that it's always good. Me, what do you make of this part where she is literally being pulled out of the room and then he's like offering her the folder and then their fingers touch? It's yes, like a sexual so moment. so creepy. Isn't I, it? I, yeah, it's, it is very, it's, it's sexual. Like cr- it is. Like it's definitely, he, it's exactly what he wants. He's always, like, in control, too, right? None of the things that he really does help him in any, like, real material way. It's all power He just likes it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is kind of what makes him cool. Or at least least (laughs) interesting. Tyler thinks he's cool. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, At least, I think that's what makes him interesting. Is that, yeah, if everything that he did was just geared towards him trying to escape. That would be understandable. That would be very understandable. Yeah. 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 But him just messing with people, asking them gross questions, complimenting the, uh, the victim's mom on like her suit. What is he? What's the Uh, exact word? Oh yeah. Great suit. Great suit. (laughs) He has like this insane eye movement, like, cause he's acting with just his eyes at that point. Cause he's in this, insane mask no no it's yeah. not great it's love the suit love he says it, the suit. <laughs> like a 30s gangster that's like his other voice that he has he's got two voices it's like the clarice like very limited and then he's got the like insane his weird feelings are actually coming out and he's like yeah like a 30s gangster i think it's just good. Has weird enunciation i think it's perfect because it's like he's trying to put more energy in it but he's not changing like his volume yes, at all. Totally. He's, Which he's, is why he won Best Actor, <laughs> deservedly great. so. Or supporting one of those two. I think Best Actor, because part of the whole thing is that a lot of people thought he should have got put in supporting because he's only in like 20 minutes of the movie. Oh. But he just owns the whole he thing. He does. Yeah. That reminds me that I, I was 
laughing to myself when he says, I don't imagine the answer is in those second-rate shoes, Clarice. (laughs) (laughs) Just roasted her, and it reminded me of the dynamic between Jack Donaghy and Liz Lemon. (laughs) Like, why do you need to really this is our This has been our secret plan to turn this into a 30 Rock (laughs) podcast. Here we go. It's time. (laughs) We're going to analyze all of Liz's boyfriends. I'm ready. James Marsden, he's the best one. Honestly, yeah, probably. Jason Sudeikis. I didn't like him at all. Okay, back. We're Great back. until he was We're in back. Ohio. We're back. Um, <laughs> so that actually also reminds me, they do this great job of constantly comparing Hannibal Lecter to other serial killers. Hmm. They're always showing how he is different in some way. Like The classical music. Right off the bat, mm-hmm. she walks in. There's all these creeps. There's oh. the guy who says the horrible thing to her and eventually assaults her Mm -hmm. and he like gets revenge on that guy oh you know what i mean it's like that guy's crazy i'm normal Mm -hmm. except for the whole yeah he's he's always calm civilized even even when he ends up killing those cops he's very calm Mm -hmm. he sits when he's done and listens to more classical music i mean (laughs) obviously i think it's it's more that it's it's different type of pathologies right i mean like he's not like a schizophrenic Mm -hmm. or anything he is just a straight up sociopath. He just like can yeah. do whatever without any sense of remorse. Mm-hmm. And Which I think is more stuff that makes him, again, creepier. Yeah, absolutely. That he's just you know the calm dude. Just you doing think whatever. you know murderers? Right. Just wait, <laughs> this guy likes classical music. <laughs> Buddy, you just wrote an ad for Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> it's really cool. I I mean they do every. Part of this movie, it's it's a deserved win for a horror movie. You know, the first like Oscar winner horror movie. Mm-hmm. Just every single part of this movie is so planned out, and they drop all of the information at just the right parts. It's still super tense, but the tensest part isn't even. Well, what do you think is like the scariest part of this movie? Breaker lights out for that sure. Is, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. You're right. I mean, that's really, really the scariest possible scenario i think yeah. we can think of that's like the nightmare it's my worst <laughs> yeah. nightmare part of yeah. why i like that one was that as we discussed we were trying to figure out what movie we wanted to do for this i'm not a huge horror movie person mm-hmm. and i think part of it's because i hate being startled mm. like i really hate it uh <laughs> it just like it feels really bad and uh, this it's like terrifying but it's just him like slowly reaching out and mm-hmm. she doesn't know that he's there. It would be incredibly startling for her, <laughs> uh, but it's not happening to me, yeah. <laughs> but it's like a terrifying little setup. Mm-hmm. So as long as there's no jump scares. Yeah, actually. I you would have liked help. The Witch, just an FYI. You should Next watch time. that. We can, we can watch that one. <laughs> Exclusively horror when I'm on the pod. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you can be our, our horror like ambassador. Cool, thanks. That makes sense diplomat yeah absolutely <laughs> we need to learn can we talk about how great jodie foster is okay yeah let's get into it's that. time to talk about that yeah <laughs> jodie foster is so good my first thought about why jodie foster is so good in this is because like you guys mentioned like feminist themes in this movie she does it so well i think because i've seen movies where you know women are like the heroes of the cops and they're either like very vulnerable or very cold mm-hmm. and she's like so human she is when they're checking out the first dead body, they unzip the body bag. Yeah. And she's like clearly very shaken mm-hmm. and disturbed. And there are several moments where she's like reacting in a very 
scared and human away. Yeah. She's also like super capable, super strong, and is just like interesting. It is as a as a person, and yeah. you know, not one noted. Right, and they and they they put in all of the stuff about her, you know, constantly being harassed, and even that scene where her boss pulls the two other cop bosses in the other room, and she's just surrounded by all these guys, and she's just like, one, it's just a perfect shot of like, this is how isolated she is all mm-hmm. the time. She's in this world where she, no one takes her seriously. She's still a student. She has all this stuff, but that's not like her whole character because the other half of it is that she's always working so hard and she makes these connections that other people don't because she is willing to look at the details and she doesn't treat this as just routine so when she takes a look at the picture right away she sees that there's the cocoon in that guy's in the murder victim's mouth Mm -hmm. and that's a thing that they wouldn't have noticed because they're the boss guy would never notice that right exactly because it's just routine (laughs) she she cares specifically yeah and that's i mean obviously then you tie it into the title of the film and the whole idea that she has this guilt that she wants to save people Mm -hmm. and that drives her like we actually get a psychological idea of what makes her tick too Mm -hmm. and that's really cool and it's like a legitimate thing yeah it's like sort of based on trauma but it's also just based on she has this empathetic yeah Yeah. totally that's huge Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of the hannibal lecter parts are probably more memorable to a lot of people like if you asked people to describe hannibal lecter versus describe clarice starling or whatever Mm -hmm. but i feel like yeah the movie kind of does hinge on her character a lot more than hannibal's just because yeah he doesn't really go through anything Mm -hmm. he it's the like even of all the like you're talking all the shots of people looking directly at the camera, presumably at her. Like the movie is so from her perspective mm-hmm. that it would completely fall apart, I think, if she wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, totally. The other thing I kept thinking about too was how Jodie Foster is so perfect for this that if it wasn't, if she didn't do a good job, it would probably be described as like stunt casting mm-hmm. because one, she was famous since she was like 14 years old. Before she was so, like a child actor too, right? Uh, probably. I don't. I just when she was in Taxi Driver, she was like oh, fourteen, right, right, right. and that was like huge. She was nominated for an Academy Award and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I assume you know she's had people staring at her constantly, even more than a woman normally would. Right. And then also, famously, John Hinckley Jr. shot Ronald Reagan. Oh my! Yeah, gosh. under the the delusion that if he shot Ronald Reagan, he would be famous enough. That, that Jodie she... Foster would go out with him, which what was crazy. What was that? That was in 92. 19... No, right? it was 1981 oh. because he oh almost shot Jimmy Carter instead, oh but he basically couldn't get close to him in time. It was like three months into Ronald Reagan's presidency. Wow. That's so, bananas. Yeah. And she, at that point, you know, because Taxi Driver had been out for like four years, but I'm pretty sure she was still only like 18 at the time. So, yeah. She's when got that you... in her head. Yeah. Which leads to her like notoriously being very private for Mm -hmm. multiple reasons but that's like a big part of it because she was always in the spotlight can the title of this episode be i respect jodie foster (laughs) i want that to be actually just put that on my tombstone okay yeah (laughs) thank you i think we can do that (laughs) you guys are in charge you're executors of my estate now. (laughs) sounds good we can do that thank you i love the line like it's so funny when he says people will say we're in love. Oh, that, that, is, that is really good. It's good. That's the other trick is that they like, it's not flirting necessarily, but it's like a camaraderie yeah. in a weird way because 
Hannibal Lecter is like the only person who is aware of Clarice as a person. That I will say. That's true. He sees her. As yeah. much as I hate that term. <laughs> and he, I, okay. Oh, no. It's just that. That he like is the person who actually seems to understand what makes her tick. Mm-hmm. I mean, partially because he's a, a psychologist. Yeah. And that's his whole thing. But also, he... You're right. He does respect her in a way that everyone else doesn't. He's also giving undivided attention. Yeah. Like her boss, like checking his watch and he's like on the phone. Yeah. Well, and it's funny that everybody in this movie is constantly staring at her. But then when he's staring at her, well, one, he kind of distances himself from that a little bit um, by kind of renouncing the the rude comment, the rude sexist comment that the <laughs> other guy in the cell next to him makes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, he just asks her a lot of personal questions, like about yeah. her job, or like, it. I feel like at, even at that point of him joking that people are going to start to talk, I wouldn't even buy it at that point if mm-hmm. they tried to sell it that he was into her that way. No. It just... Yo, for sure. He has a completely different energy. Probably... It's kind of his energy is more that he wants to eat her at the beginning <laughs> than anything. Yeah. But, you know, it's a different thing yeah, for him. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it is different. And they all, they're always filming him. He's always, like, right in the middle of the frame. It's always yeah. He's always in power in a weird way. Like, mm-hmm. he always commands the scene. It's always from slightly below. Yeah, he's always doing the... What is that called? The Kubrick stare, kind of? Oh, yeah. During, during the scene where he's, like, asking her why she left Montana so mm-hmm. early. Uh, he's doing that, and they keep zooming in on his face closer and closer and closer, and it's it's so creepy. But it's when we were watching it, we were we all, all shut up. I mean, we were talking mm-hmm. through pretty. I mean, not talking a lot, but we would comment every once in a while through every other scene. But it's so tense. There's no music. It's just them talking, mm-hmm. and he's just staring right at her, and yeah. like almost like his stare is like compelling her to share more i feel that doesn't make any sense because why would it but he just has this look that would really just make you think like oh well he just wants to know do you know that he won't talk about this role anymore really yeah i used to uh for a short time i did like transcription of random interviews and sometimes i got like magazine interviews and stuff and i i used to do them for the same reporter and one once I got an interview with him and I had to type it all out as I like listened to it. Yeah. And um, she mentioned it and he was like, I'm not talking about that. Wow. We're not talking about that. We're going away. He got like very <laughs> angry. Yikes. I know. But I mean, he's very well known for that. So I've... Well, and he did it in two other movies also. Yeah. They made, there's a Red sequel. Dragon. Yeah. I've seen those actually. I've seen Red Dragon. I also read the book. Oh, I got I got that. Should I read it's, it? Should I it was all right. It? Um, I read it in high school. I don't remember much of it now. Hmm. Um, it gets referenced in media every once in a while. Because that was, that was kind of the original. That was like Brian Cox did. Yeah, Red well, that's the thing right? that I think is interesting. So they did this movie called, oh, what was it called? Manhunter. Manhunter, yeah. Um, it was Michael Mann directed it and Brian Cox played Hannibal Lecter. And then long enough later that it wasn't really connected i think it was kind of like a reboot they did Mm. silence of the lambs and it was such a huge success that they made a sequel uh, i think hannibal Mm -hmm. or something and then they basically made manhunter again with like the actual like because they kind of knew that the whole selling point was 
Anthony Hopkins playing Hannibal Lecter. Right. Because mm-hmm. Clary Starling isn't even in it. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was kind of funny, though, that they just made it again <laughs> like what would they called it differently but i don't know they're just like admitting that the first one was like a miss it's funny <laughs> actually i want to read that book yeah and i think the book is based off of robert Rustler's. yeah i, I believe that oh for sure you know more than the well i think the movie is based on the book don't want to yeah of course get roasted can we talk about the uh actually let's talk about how weird buffalo bill is yes mm. i did want to talk about that oh the, boy the, one of the notes i had <laughs> was jame gum is such a weird name especially her <laughs> saying it with her accent and the way she says it jame gum uh, jame gum it's like he not, the most not awkward like, yeah. Syllables you could ever put together. Like just the name Jame, like short for Jamie. <laughs> is sorry if you're so listening and your name is Jamie. Yeah. Uh, I like how it kind of the first time you see him, it's just him with his night, oh, just the night vision goggles, basically, which is also a good setup that he has them. Yeah. And then the next kind of the next thing I think is basically him lowering the lotion into the thing, right? Well, there's the couch scene. Where they move the chair, or they move the chair into the back. Oh the yeah, 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 yeah. Which you said. Oh right, uh, that's like a Ted Bundy shtick. Gotcha. The, where you're one person trying to lift a couch into a van by yourself. Well, yeah, he and would say, "Can you help on. me?" Yeah. yeah, and and then you know, nice girls would say, "Oh yeah, of course." Which is actually a big like part of the true crime resurgence right now is a big part of saying like, "Um, no, sorry, like, yeah, I can't." Right. You know, and. F politeness. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's a Ted Bundy thing for sure. But I think I think Anthony Hopkins' character is more yeah Ted Bundy. Oh really? Not to put more Ted Bundy info out into the world. I don't know if we need it. I don't know. A lot of our listeners are not uh, murder heads. <laughs> <laughs> well, none it, of them have been murdered, nor have they murdered anyone, <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah. Well, just the concept that he's like very charming. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. That it, that it seems like he could get away with it because his personality is, mm-hmm. and they didn't put any of that in Buffalo Bill. He no, wasn't they didn't. a likable person, really, in any way. I don't Awful think. Yeah, just the way around. he talks too. Man, who was the actor that? that never, I've never seen him in anything else. I don't think he's been in other stuff, but that actor just killed it. He's so he's really weird, uncomfortable. Really went for it. Yeah, I I found a picture. I found a photo online of like that actor and mm-hmm. the woman that plays the kidnapped woman with the curly hair, Catherine. Yeah. Outside of shooting, like him with his arm around her. And then oh, I just boy. put it on Instagram and I said, love hanging out with this goober. <laughs> and like nobody liked it. <laughs> That's a, probably a deep cut. Yeah. Maybe. Too much. She was also awesome. She's we, amazing. Oh, we commented oh, yeah. about it so many times. When, uh, when Clarice comes in, and is like, FBI, ma'am, you're safe. And this woman is just not having it. I'm she's still in this hole. She's still in the hole. Like, <laughs> she just cusses around. Yeah, I'm yeah. clearly she's not like, Don't safe. Don't you leave? <laughs> yeah. um, Get me out of here right now. <laughs> okay, so actually, I want to talk about that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like in the modern sort of take on the new wave of murder stuff, mm-hmm. you were talking about how there's a lot more focus on women not being victims and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you see her character in a different light now than yeah. you would in... Yeah, I mean, obviously in 1991, I was, what, five? <laughs> I think it's like a pretty feminist way to portray a victim of that For serial sure. killer. Because she's 
crafty. She's figuring out a way to try to save herself. And she's like begging him. But at the same time, she's like yelling at him and Mm -hmm. really kind of cussing him out. And you can see like a personality in her. She's not just this like blank slate of victimhood. I feel like a lot of it, it helps that they spent as much time with her as they did. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like a lot of times in... A movie you'll have the victim of a murder or a kidnapping you just see them barely enough to just see how scared they are yeah and in, in like if you would just go with the first time where you see her in this pit she's terrified she's screaming mm-hmm. you know she doesn't want to go along with it but she kind of does and then they kind of move on from that mm-hmm. which i feel like they usually don't well and that's the other great part about the script is that the whole idea that you know, he's taking their skin and making a suit out of it, and he needs them to starve a little bit. So we didn't it's say that yet. So anybody who hasn't that's seen the thing. The movie, <laughs> that is the key to the whole thing: is that he is making a skin suit. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, it's pretty disturbing. But and you said that's the great part about the movie. <laughs> oh, hold on, that's your favorite. That's that's. <laughs> yes, I love it. But the good part is that setup is so perfect in that there's an exact timeline. They have 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Because that's when they always find them. You know, or it's like three days later. He has a like, reason to keep them alive. Yeah, exactly. And so we get that time. One, it gives our FBI agents a deadline. Yeah. And two, it gives us time to see the killer and his soon-to-be victim mm-hmm. and what their interaction is like. It's a good setup. And it also, I think we need to say that, like while we were watching it, we noticed, of course the scene where they explicitly say, wow, that's really smart. She's saying Catherine, 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 when the mother is on the news trying to ask Buffalo Bill to give her daughter up. And then Buffalo Bill is referring to her in the third person as it. puts the lotion on his skin whenever it is asked. Uh Uh-huh. Or it gets the hose again, (laughs) is what he says. And then you have this line where the butterfly beetle biologists are like looking at this beetle that he put in his victim. And they say... Someone really took care of this thing. Somebody loved it. Yeah. And you see how he, shoot. like, we noticed that his dog was very well groomed. Yeah. It was it's like, like a very show clean. dog. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads me to ask, do we trust people who have Pomeranians? <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> I don't think anymore, no. <laughs> I didn't before this, but not for the reasons we're saying now. <laughs> no, but he, like, loves his butterflies and his dog. Yeah. And he just clearly has no... But I don't know if he's trying not to have any empathy for her or whether yeah. he just naturally doesn't. Because it seems like it's a little of both because when she starts screaming again, he's like making fun of her. Mm-hmm. and But also we see him get really emotionally disturbed as soon as his dog gets grabbed by the girl. Mm-hmm. Like he's really messed up. Yeah. This could be, I mean, this is just a shot in the dark it could be a thing about how they talk a lot about him coveting this first victim of his mm-hmm. part of it could be that he's trying to think of them because he's kind of trying to make them into a skin suit so he can become her yeah so it's not really about them like the later victims so if i don't know if he's trying to like recreate his first victim specifically Mm -hmm. then maybe he is dehumanizing them the later victims only i don't know i noticed you know they they have the whole thing about the 
moths, yeah. of course. How he's using them as a metaphor. Yes. And you have Hannibal Lecter giving Jodie Foster these anagrams, which... Oh, yeah. If there's, like, one thing about this movie that I don't think is, like, cool... I just don't th- like serial killers don't do that. They don't like use <laughs> metaphors and they don't use anagrams. Like when they do, like there's this famous really super lame thing about BTK sticking around after some murders to eat cereal because he's a serial killer. Like it's just lame. Wow, They're that lame. Is lame. They're not smart. Like yeah. usually, you know, and when they are, it's not it's about not things like like literary devices. <laughs> right. Because they're people who are serial killers. And yeah. so they are like they don't think that in that way. Mm-hmm. At least we assume. Well, I think that's like the myth that in a lot of crime, we make it so that we want to see things as like this very interesting. Yeah. And I think often that's something that we want to paint that's not super realistic. Oh, yeah. Just that that's it's good. just some unexamined act that this person is doing and it doesn't mean anything to them. Maybe it means something... I, I think there will be things like they'll stab instead of shoot because they feel anger uh, and they want yeah. that person to feel that or whatever. But like, sorry, this... Uh, once That's again, fine. This is actually what I wanted to get to this. Okay, good. Yeah. But I don't think usually it's that elaborate of a... It's not something they're conscience, consciously placing like an anagram clue. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's usually like that. I think it is usually subconscious, something that they're not planting for the police to find yeah. or whatever. I do want to say about that anagram is that the part, the reason that Hannibal Lecter is doing the anagram is mm-hmm. because he wants Clarice to figure it out because he likes Clarice. Yeah. Maybe. And he thinks that she will. Mm-hmm. Because that's clearly a false lead because he wants to continue his plan to escape. Right. And that's like how he can do that. And he gives all the other details correctly, but I think he knows how smart Clarice is. So mm-hmm. he's he's not doing that as a kill. He's doing it as a teacher. Yes. That's 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 like teacher Hannibal. <laughs> the, the guy that the guy that we like versus cannibal Hannibal, the guy that we're not so cool with. Are we gonna tell I'm skeptical. <laughs> Are we gonna tell everybody that we cheered when the psychiatrist got off the plane and yeah, we realized we, he was gonna eat him? We did that, yes. <laughs> I think that's the thing. Well I and I point out you know there's like a uplifting swell of music i think there is the movie leads you to be glad that he's gonna kill his that guy's so that guy sucks so bad what is the thing he says like right away oh he he like asked her if she's staying in baltimore overnight it's like it can be a fun city right off the bat it's and he's like the grossest of all of them for sure of all of them (laughs) (laughs) i mean of all the people that hit on clarice he is the grossest. is he grosser than buffalo bill not quite buffalo bill doesn't hit on her though okay that's Does the trick. He? No, no, he no. Doesn't. no he doesn't. he's not. He's just going to get his cards. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have a business card over here. <laughs> oh boy, Mister, can I use your phone? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I also, I don't want to hurt your dog, Mister. There's a lot of Misters in there. I like, yeah, yeah, I like how she says, "Don't hurt my dog," and she's like, "Don't make me hurt your dog." Yes, <laughs> she's reframing it actually yeah. as good like, argument. That is victimhood reframing, like. Yeah, she's like, "You're doing this to me. I'm yeah. not doing this to you. You are creating this situation, you, and you're making it well, bad." For which everybody. is kind of weird because it's because he's talking about what she's doing to this dog, right? You know, like the, <laughs> it's like a nest, Russian nesting doll of victims. <laughs> oh man, 
And we did notice that as she's getting escorted out of the house by the FBI, she's holding on yeah, to the dog. Yeah, she keeps still. the dog. You think <laughs> she's going to be nice to that dog? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this movie has kind of set up a scenario in which she might be mean to the dog. <laughs> you know, because the, the whole thing... The dog the... has to go to the vet. It's an <laughs> urgent thing, actually. Yeah, she says, yeah, that's right. It needs medical attention. Oh, if I could man. extrapolate something from her experience with the dog, it's that she's not going to like that dog. Well, because <laughs> Buffalo Bill, his is based on his earlier experiences of Trauma. violence, right? Yeah, so, Hannibal Lecter says he wasn't born this way, he was made this yeah, way. Yeah, so <laughs> we have a I think the movie implies that she's going to murder that dog. She's going to get real into dog fighting. Pomeranian dog fighting. <laughs> a really um, weird sequ- sequel where... Her, uh, she's being trained by Hannibal specifically. <laughs> the world's worst sequel. Oh, that's bad. Uh, do you, you have any other like kind of stray thoughts? If you noticed that green coat Jodie Foster was wearing, yeah, that coat's important to me now. I need oh. to track it down. I want to have it. I want to wear it. You wanted that coat. You also wanted that drawing that Hannibal made of. <gasps> Of her holding a lamb, like in a very like classical pose. I would love to hang that drawing up in my house. And I'm sure some weirdo has made it. Oh, absolutely. Online. Yes. I'm going to look it up right after There's this. not a movie prop that someone hasn't recreated in some way. If anyone listening to this wants to buy me a present for my birthday on June 12th, that's a great Just idea. doxing yourself. <laughs> Is that bad of me to do? Social security number five, one. What are they going to do with my birthday? Is that bad? I don't know. <laughs> That's good though. I think someone will give you that. I think we can we can make that happen. We have very good. generous listeners who all like donating to our Patreon. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay. the The only other uh, thing I wrote down was that at, right before he kills those cops, yeah, he like moves his drawings, or they move one of the cops moves his drawings, and he just has Bon Appetit magazine. Yes, <laughs> I totally saw that. It's so right on the money. It's so good. It is good. I think they do a good job bouncing in that way. Like they're not trying to be too subtle. They do give us like, like you said, when when we notice that the guy doesn't have uh, the psychiatrist can't yeah. find his oh, pen, right on. and they just like kind of zoom into Hannibal Lecter. We're like, yeah, he's got he's the pen. Got it. Yep. He's None gonna... of it was corny though. No, no, it wasn't. And, and the trick I think is that we never know where he's going with any of it. Mm-hmm. Like we, I would see... assume that he was going to stab somebody. I thought with so pen. too. I thought he was like, all right, he's going to stab some guy in the face or something. But no, he's just that he's waiting to unlock his cuffs because he's a guy of habit. That's what makes it not like a startle scare. It makes it this tense situation because we know he has a pen. Mm-hmm. What's he going to do with it? Or like uh, in the dark. Yeah. Moments, what's going to happen exactly? We don't. Yeah, because, like, you even you basically said that out loud. Like, what is he doing? Because, yeah. like, he doesn't, like, immediately just go stab her. Mm-hmm. He kind of, like, he walks reaches towards out. her, reaches, pulls back. Well, that's, that's Thriller 101, right? Is that the audience knows something mm-hmm. that the character does not. Right. And the tension comes from will this character realize it? The thing that we already know. In time. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. It, mm-hmm. It's a, like a visceral reaction, especially if you've the whole time watched this character that we like mm-hmm. from specifically her point of view. Yeah. Not know a thing. And we're also just seeing it from Bill's point of view, which is really weird when you think Great about decision. that. I also like that when she does shoot and kill him, he collapses and he's just got these dorky ass 
night vision goggles on. Yes, <laughs> looks like they do look very doofus. stupid in the daytime. It's not as cool in the light. He doesn't look cool. <laughs> Can I also, uh, this is a very big aside on Buffalo Bill. We, we pointed out a couple Nazi paraphernalia things that he had. Yeah, the oh, yeah. As if we weren't going to be against him enough at this point in the movie. He's a Nazi. But he had quite a few American flags also, Ooh. which I thought was interesting. We've got a feminist. We're going to transition this into an anti-colonialism podcast yep. now. This, this is our fifth different podcast. This podcast is Praxis now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this podcast. Now we're going to uh, transition into the FBI's history as an organization. <laughs> Hit people, it's not good. Oh, that reminds me that last time I did watch this, I was home for Christmas and I had a couple glasses of wine and I just full on applied to the FBI, man. Yes. Uh, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for real. I was like, I'm not doing this, but I'm, I'm going to just do it. I, I was in a crisis, existential crisis. And did they say yes? Um, I don't think I fully finished it. I was uh, kind of drunk. Okay. It's probably a lot of forms. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose. <laughs> but ever since I did start applying, great news, I get emails all the time. Cool. From the yeah. FBI? Yeah, from the people that recruit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I gotta unsubscribe. I mean, maybe they're just sending them to you specifically. Maybe there's a murder only I can solve. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they need your experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... A serial killer that only leaves 30 rock clues. <laughs> Good evening, Danica. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for my mission. Yeah. A serial killer that leaves clues that are like based on other serial killers. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Yeah. I'm sure that movie is in the making right now. It has People are so be. hungry for that. It, right? It's like that Adam Sandler movie, Pixels, but with serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, we need to get together the nation's greatest collection of serial killer fans. <laughs> You're talking about... Well, that's basically like The Last Starfighter, where, where it's like, you've been training with this video game, and then they put you in... Aliens pick you up or whatever, and it's like, this was training for your actual like steering a spaceship around, but yeah. this is... All these murder podcasts are training for... It's The FBI has been putting all of them out. They're doing a better job with that than they did with a lot of stuff in history. I'm just going to say that. Is that too controversial? <laughs> is that too the... controversial for you, America? <laughs> Wake up! My, my favorite murder is PSYOPs. You heard it here first. Do you want to be found on the internet? Yeah. You know. You can find me at Danica DeVito. Well, yes. We'll link you on the episode. Cool. Isn't that a funny Twitter handle? It's a very good one. <laughs> cool. Thanks, guys. But, yeah. Thank you thanks for Thanks so much, on. Nation. Thanks for watching. <laughs>